0: Welcome to the Backlog Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Boom Studios' Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 1 through 16, covering the Lord Dracket Introduction Saga. And f- for this episode, I have my friend Steven with me again today. How are you, Steven?
1: I'm doing well, my man. How are you?
0: I'm good, good, good. We're ready to start podcasting about Power Rangers and talking all about this franchise that I've been watching since I was a little kid so, um, so, so I'm glad to have you on this episode. So, um, so before we start talking about it, I just want to quickly catch up and see what you got. You, you've been up to the last couple of weeks since we last chatted.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I have. I've officially finished uh, replaying the story of God of War, um, nice. the latest God of War, and I'm going to do a lot of the side content that I didn't get to do. The last time because I think I was there was another game coming out so I just had to rush through the story and whatnot so I'm uh, like beating up Valkyries and doing Moose challenges and all that which has been uh been pretty fun I yeah. can't believe I didn't do this stuff but you know <laughs> yeah. <in> yeah. Hindsight.
0: <laughs> are you playing it on a PS4 or a PS5 or
1: uh PS4 PS5 okay. is still you know I don't know I don't even know yeah. if it's available it's one of the- those yeah. things i'm not sure if it's real or not <laughs> right yeah not the
0: same here i I know that god of war is one of the games that it is on my backlog of things that i want to play but i've kind of decided mm-hmm. especially because they i think they came out of a ps5 patch so i think yeah. I'm, going, I'm saving it i'm saving that and Ghost to Tsushima for whenever i get a ps5 because i figure i want to play it mm-hmm. as best as it looks so and my ps4 yeah. I got it it's a, i got to launch ps4 so I think it's going to oh, make my okay. it's probably going to make my my PS4 chug when I like when I played Final Fantasy 7
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I was playing it on my well on my, it's on my roommate's pro but um oh nice yeah but yeah so yeah man that it goes to Tsushima you're in for a nice uh, nice treat yeah. when you get to that. so yeah I can't wait
0: <laughs> yeah uh um, is there anything else that you've been playing or watching that you want
1: to shout out um i've been watching uh the show uh the great on hulu um uh, which oh. is about uh the rise of catherine the great it's it's not like a historical drama it's more like an absurdist kind of take on on what kind of happened um it's very entertaining um i would highly recommend it it's only 10 episodes you know an hour a piece
0: yeah so, not too bad so would you say it's more like the crown or on like Netflix
1: oh, no, no. or no or is, it, or is it just more like
0: or did they go into comedy like type?
1: Thing? yeah so it's more it's definitely more of a comedy um okay. there's some like there's some dark comedy elements and a little bit of drama here and there yeah. but it's definitely more like absurd like you look at something and you're like did that yeah. just happen like okay
0: <laughs> and this is you're watching that on Hulu
2: Mm-hmm.
0: so is it an fx produced show is that
1: yeah. no that was uh okay. that was actually a hulu original oh a hulu original. Um, okay yeah though so i do recommend all the fx shows on hulu because those are very good
0: yeah yeah no i was just wondering because you mentioned dark uh more dark comedy and i, I always think of yeah. that like with the <laughs> fx hulu shows because i know that fx gets mm-hmm. into a, a lot of that stuff so oh well, that, that's cool i'll have to put that on my queue um is there anything else that you want to shout out at all
1: um well the muppet show is on disney no. plus first, yes so watch it (laughs) it's
0: amazing yeah it's so weird i think um charles pullman on twitter that a guy that i follow he mentioned that Mm -hmm. and like he was talking about how he never watched it in order because like we were kids we just watched reruns and i just thought i was thinking i was just like yeah i probably only watched a handful of muppets episodes and i didn't Mm -hmm. realize how long that show went because i probably i probably watched the same like 10 episodes probably because they were the only ones that would be on reruns whenever I was able to catch it. So it's go, it's nice that it's Disney finally put some more Muppet content. Cause I do want to watch the, I think what yeah. is it five or six seasons?
1: Yeah. Five seasons. And I think the last two had never been available for like streaming or anything like that before. So um, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's definitely on my queue. I put it on my queue right away when I saw it on Disney plus like when, after watching WandaVision. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well yeah so i think i know we've talked about this and we're gonna probably shoot a podcast on it later on is i started playing horizon zero i finished horizon zero dawn so i Yay. finally finished that um i only finished uh i finished all the side quests in the main campaign the main story mm-hmm. <laughs> i start. um uh, we'll probably talk about this more in the podcast but i tried to start the frozen wilds dlc that i'm not sure if you played yeah. it but <laughs> then i was like then i got to that first area of the frozen wild where you you fight that Mm. one beast i was like "Ooh, i'm super under leveled (laughs) 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 i probably should finish up more of the side missions and level up a little bit and get maybe all the skills or something like that because that that first uh beast that you encounter when you enter which isn't a big spoiler because it's just they're just trying to throw you yeah they're just (laughs) trying to throw you in to figure out what, what uh what you're going to be combating out of frozen wilds and i was just like damn i almost got my ass kicked with this and i wasn't pre- i was not prepared i was like i went in there super confident and i was like i just finished the main campaign i beat the mm-hmm. final boss it was super easy and then no nah, i got my i almost got my ass kicked and it was a good thing i was filled up on health potions when i fought that beast because i was not expecting <laughs> i was not
1: expecting <laughs> that <so. laughs> but yeah it's um, a oh that's a tough one. That brings back some some bad flashbacks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I've, uh, I did start the Frozen Wild DLC. I think I'm probably mm-hmm. like halfway through that, but I'm taking a little break from it because I kind of wanted to play some other games and I actually decided, mm-hmm. I was just looking at my download queue and I, I saw that I had the DLC for um, Second Son, uh, Infamous Second Son. And oh, okay. I was like, yeah. oh, I never played this. So what I did was I downloaded Infamous Second Son again to replay the game and then play mm-hmm. First Light. So I just finished uh second Senate, and man, that is honestly like looking back on it, I think one of the PS4's more underrated games.
1: Um, yeah, I agree. I'm surprised that people just didn't didn't take to it as much as they did the first two. I, I really liked it a lot.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's obviously like a protagonist um, isn't as good as the uh, for Infamous well, One and Two. I think that's yeah. a big part of it. He's <laughs> not. I feel like he's not as likable as the mm-hmm. as as Cole. Um, yeah, and, but. But I, I think his story wraps up pretty well, especially with a good mm-hmm. ending. I think it, it's, it's a nice ending. I think there's a couple story choices where I'm like, oh yeah, it's not as good as the first two. maybe that, And then yeah. like, especially with Infamous fans, if it's not as good as the first two, maybe that kind of impacts how people think about it. But I thought yeah, it was a solid sure. game and I was like, yeah, it should be talked about a little bit more as a, mm-hmm. uh, not, not as maybe the PS4's best game, but it's like right up there. It gives like more quality to the the platform why like the PS4 might be and we could argue this later on. Is uh, uh, PS4 might be one of the b- best generation of consoles. Like there's there's mm-hmm. been in terms of like game lineup. So um, so yeah. yeah, it was actually really really fun to play that. I'm going to be diving probably today is I'm going to dive into um, the first light DLC because I'd actually never played it, um, and I really like that character that that's starring in that. So. Mm-hmm. um i'm looking forward to getting back into that world and finding out her backstory because i i think her backstory was very interesting um but we mm-hmm. never got enough so i'm looking forward to getting into what her character's backstory is because i think it's a prequel to the second to uncor- i'm guessing so
1: yeah i think so
0: um yeah. so yeah so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah I've, I've played that and um and uh, I started playing the Mega Man X series just because I wanted to do mm-hmm. a little bit more, uh, get a palate cleanser from playing open worlds. Because I've been in the open world for yeah. the last couple <laughs> of games that I've Like, I think the last three or four games I've played are all open world, huge 30 to 60 hour games. So, yeah. Uh, and, and it's a lot of fun. I like it. it did, I think I mentioned this when I put uh, about Mega Man X when I first played the first one was um, in our previous episode was. It it is so much different playing these old school games than mm-hmm. like current because it like in in more of like modern games I'm so used to, I, I I do want to play where I want to do like try and do not get hit as often or anything like that yeah. and conserve myself <laughs> but with the Mega Man and Mega Man games especially like I just got to get over the fact I'm gonna get hit and just yeah. u- use use those <laughs> use those little quirks of the game and then I'll figure out how to get health later or not get afraid to get hit or in, at least and mm-hmm. so like play, I think playing through the Mega Man X for the first game like taught me that and like I'm ready to dive into like the other, I think it is what seven games uh, on it. Um, so I'm really, especially I'm excited yeah. to get into Mega Man X4 because X4 is a, is the series is the game that got me into the X X series uh, for Mega Man. So nice. I'm, so I'm really excited to get back in, back into that, and it's just been good to play just video games like after. Like, yeah, um, so. <laughs> I forgot how relaxing it is because I know I the last year or two years I haven't really done much video game playing but now that I'm getting back mm-hmm. into it and catching up with so many great games it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Definitely.
0: So, um and I think that, that and uh, obviously I'm reading a bunch of future state stuff right now too just cuz I'm covering mm-hmm. that for the the web uh, the concrete revolution sites uh which I'm actually generally enjoying now that I've kind of set myself and I talk about these in more in my reviews that you could catch on the concrete revolution site is that I think the one thing that I'll just say about Future State is that I'm actually enjoying how it feels like Batman Beyond
2: mm-hmm. for, the,
0: for the entire DC universe rather than. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is, which is, I think is really good. And once I get into that mindset, obviously there's things I didn't, like comic books that I haven't got into, like the Teen Titans, the Shazam, and Flash that are all mm-hmm. kind of one connected comic um, story. Um, so I haven't, I didn't get in too much into that, but I did get into like the Wonder Woman stuff, the Batman, mm. anything that, that deals with the Batman and the like that's going on in Gotham <laughs> city for future state has been actually really good. Yeah. Um, so I highly recommend people pick up the Batman stuff. If you haven't, um, checked out uh future state yet. Yeah. Um, okay. and I think that that's pretty much it all. And yeah, I started before, right before this podcast, I actually start, I'm not sure if you watched the tiger documentary on. The Tiger Woods documentary on HBO Max.
1: Mm-mm, I haven't seen that one yet. No, it's on my queue though. Yeah, it, sure. it's actually,
0: I only watched the first episode. Um, I think it's like mm-hmm. two episodes, but it's really interesting watching this because did you watch The Last Dance as well on ESPN? Yes, I did. Yep. Like, I won't spoil the Tiger documentary too much, but one thing that was interesting uh, about watching this and then watching The, and watching the Last Dance before is mm-hmm. is the difference of creative control um because tiger woods doesn't have creative control over this documentary like mm-hmm. michael jordan had in the last dance so it's very yeah. interesting to see what they delve into in this tiger documentary for hbo max mm-hmm. compared to like what espn did in the um, michael day. jordan series because you could kind of tell hey if tiger woods had control over like everything that goes on in this like he'd mm-hmm. probably be what would more last dance which i loved last dance for sure last, yeah. dance, was, Lance, last dance was great and it saved our 2020 a little bit <laughs> but um but it, yeah it's just very interesting because they kind of get more into the uh, the drama side of his life a little bit more mm-hmm. than like the last dance did with michael jordan because like the michael jordan documentary i think one critique that everybody had was that it didn't get into his personal life it it's yeah. like, kind of might try to make michael jordan still be this god and god kind of mm-hmm. per- athlete so Whereas yeah. Tiger Woods, they're kind of breaking him more down of like, hey, this is guy who's very vulnerable. This X Y Z. So I'm very excited to finish it up. Um, and it's yeah. just very interesting because I do. I think the comparisons to The Last Dance, I think, is going to be something that I've already seen a couple. Some people talk about or like I think Dan Lovatar brought this up and on on his uh, podcast, and I think more people have been bringing that up as well. That it's very. It's just it's just two different ways of shooting documentaries from two people that yeah. are probably on the in terms of famous. They're mm-hmm. on the same level, but you could see how um, different things are when you, that person doesn't have that creative control for his life yeah. story.
1: And I guess The Last Dance has more of an excuse because it's, it's about Michael Jordan, but it's also about, like, you know, Phil Jackson and um, Dennis Rodman and, and um, everybody like that. Yeah. So they have, they have a little bit of an excuse where it's like, well, yeah, we had all this stuff we had to talk about. Yeah. So, um, I think you know if you're if you're not a fan like a huge mega fan of Michael Jordan like there's still enough there to like help you like make a value judgment on him but I definitely understand what you're saying cuz there's definitely like I know there was some other stuff that you didn't talk about. Uh, oh, yeah, like
0: <laughs> I, I love the last dance, and like I grew up, yeah. I I grew up like loving Michael Jordan. I had like Michael Jordan mm-hmm. po- posters and all that stuff, and I still loved it. And the last dance was great, like was great, like what, what they talked about because like you brought up uh, that it did cover Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, mm-hmm. and Phil Jackson, and just the Chicago Bulls in general and and other stuff other stuff around that era of yeah. Michael Jordan's dominance, but. Um, but it's just very interesting because it also kind of speaks to how like with Michael Jordan, you can cover more of like the team like that he was on and all his teammates. Mm-hmm. Whereas like with Tiger Woods, you can maybe cover Phil Je- Phil, what, Phil Mickelson. Um, and that, yeah. that's really it in terms of like people that you could talk about with, with his generation um, in mm-hmm. terms of people that were on his level because it's an individual sport and it's so much so different compared yeah. to team sports. So. So it's actually very interesting to have like just how different like an individual sport is compared to a team sport,
1: and how how you
0: how you could cover that. Cause and it actually got me interested in to see like, um, eventually getting like a Serena Williams documentary, um, oh, really because I think yeah. it, that would be interesting. With I think Serena's dynamic with like Venus, and, mm-hmm. and but it's still an individual sport, so she's still like she's not on a team outside mm-hmm. of when she plays doubles. But um, but yeah, I think I, I would be very interested see whenever she does retire, um, hopefully not too soon. But I think like with the Australian Open performance recently, like maybe she's probably contemplating that a little bit more, but we're not sure. Yeah. Um, but I would be very interested after her career is over um, mm-hmm. and see or, like I get an actual Serena documentary. Cause I think there has been a couple documentaries on like the Williams sisters and all that but I want one like that specifically just on Serena and kind of like this HBO style, like
1: maybe like, right. an HBO,
0: especially an H- HBO style one. Cause I think HBO does such a great job with those. Um,
1: yeah, they really do.
0: And, and yeah, I'm just finding a lot of cool content on uh, HBO Max. I think I started using HBO Max more recently than I have mm-hmm. any other platform because I still don't like the UI system too much of because it's very hard to discover some new stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's my biggest critique <laughs> on HBO Max, but mm-hmm. at least I, I know what content I'm going for because like I just started watching the Justice League cartoon as well on the side whenever yeah. I'm doing review I'm writing. <laughs> and I forgot how we you don't really see the Justice League team together uh, Mm -hmm. until like until like the second the the second season finale really Mm
2: -hmm. like outside of the
0: the start of the series and Mm -hmm. then in the you don't really see the team ever together fully until like the second half like that the hawk Hawk world uh crossover event the star Star crossed which is very interesting because i was like i never realized that it was like very much and it's very much focused on like John Stewart and Wonder Woman really like I think they get mm-hmm. a book of the doc- which which is which is good because they're the newest characters in this show and like they mm-hmm. probably even though Wonder Woman was like the trinity I think at that point not many people still like she kind of faded away from the mainstream right yeah everybody like, so who
1: she was but they didn't really know anything about her so she was just kind of there
0: yeah and, and I think it, it was in, it's interesting because like you, they treat like what Wonder like just going back to it, it's just very interesting treat, seeing how Wonder Woman is treated as a newbie and how she gets to learn because that's not how yeah. really we know her from the comic, but she's like one of the veterans. So it's very mm-hmm. interesting. I think Wonder Woman specifically I've seen how her character evolves from being the new person on the group to being one of the leaders. The same thing with like, yeah. John, like Green Lantern uh John Stewart who I think from the beginning he's the leader but it's still mm-hmm. he's like a new character probably a lot like I think this was honestly my introduction to John Stewart um yeah so, um, it was my I think,
1: introduction to Green Lantern in general he was always my my TL oh yeah oh nice <laughs> I, that's I, awesome I, yeah I like Hal Jordan a, I love Hal Jordan and I like Kyle Rayner and Guy Gardner but John Stewart he's he's my dude
0: yeah 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 and it's so interesting seeing um just how how, how, how great you position John Stewart in general of like how, like, even though he's very militaristic in like the way he leads because of that's how, that's mm-hmm. his background. And I like that they get into his background on like, hey, he has a military background. Yeah. And, he, and then plus his military background when you add in the Green Lantern stuff. And I'm very glad that like this show opened up after the season premiere that we get right into like the Green Lantern Corp and like the Manhunters and stuff like that. I'm yep. I'm glad they did that for the character to emphasize, hey, yeah, we're going to focus on John Stewart. Um, in the show, and which is which is great. I think that the character is so awesome in that, and I'm just getting to the like the the Hawkman cross the, the cross star crossed. I think is yeah. the book of the the second season finales. So mm-hmm. it's very it's been very fun. It's just it's just fun. And I forgot how much fun the show is. Yeah absolutely um but yeah i think that's pretty much it and i think we've talked i've talked about it enough of like the stuff that i'm watching because that's all i've been able to do um but (laughs) yeah so we're going to get into the topic of the show is which is we're going to be covering the uh big introduction of the lord draken character which is the alternate universe the alternate universe version of tommy oliver um that went went all full bad guy so and (laughs) that really covers like the um, Boom Studios Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number one through 16. Um, there's a zero issue in there too in and in an annual but it really is the bulk of the issue is uh, one through 16 so that's what we're going to be covering today and just for a little background for people that might not know um, in June 2015 Boom Studios and Saban announced that they would be creating a new comic series based around the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and basically um, rather than just adapting the um, original series from the 90s, uh, straight up. They actually modernized the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers to be taking place in, in, the, in the present day, so in the 2015 era. Um, so obviously there's like smartphones and a lot more technology that was not yeah. in the 90s shows. So, um, so they, they did modernize it and it, the series launched with a, like what I mentioned before, a zero issue um, mm-hmm. that was written by Kyle Higgins, Steve Orlando and Margaret uh, Scott um, as co-writers um, so they kind of, it was just, I think the Zero issue was mostly based around like the, just kind of the Green Lantern, Green, Green Rangers saga of like the whole, um, the Power Rangers getting getting him back to, to be teaming up and kind of introduction for anybody that mm-hmm. may, may have forgotten some events and then kind of modernizing some of those events as well so that they get into the mindset of that this isn't taking place in the 90s, it's taking place in 2015, so. Mm-hmm. I think, and then um, Kyle Higgins obviously um, stayed on as the writer for the main series. So, um, and he really wrote, and he wrote those series through Shattered Grid, the Shattered Grid events that I think uh-huh. everybody has talked about back back in the day. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> the history of the um, uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger series and how it became under Boom Studios. And so, um, before we get into the story, Stephen, I want to talk about um, just a, your history with the sh- our, our history with the show. Um, mm-hmm. So which which uh, Power Rangers season did you get introduced to the franchise with?
1: Uh, season one, man, the OG original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That was my the back when that aired, or may, I don't remember exactly. Was it ninety four when it aired? Because I, I may have caught like reruns or something of it, but um, yeah, that it was, was like around ninety four. 90- so I would have had to have been a little a little bit older. Yeah, but, it was like um, ninety three, ninety four, I believe. Yeah, but um, yeah, I remember watching that wherever, wherever it was playing, it must have been reruns, but I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I was um, I was probably like four or something when I actually finally got to watch it, but, you know, it had the, the bright colors, the color-coordinated um, ninja-looking people, mm-hmm. giant monsters, giant robots. Like, there is literally nothing more awesome to a young child in the 90s than all of that. It was so cool and i yeah. loved
0: it. Yeah, it was it, i it's the same way with me um i was always, I, i'm i'm a little bit older so I, I was born in 87 so i actually watched mm-hmm. i think when 93 when it debuted and i thought it was so awesome cuz this is like around the time when we had the Batman the animated series going on yeah. we also had the <laughs> Spider-Man Spider-Man cartoon um and then the X-Men series so this was like a perfect thing to like wrap up with that set, Saturday morning stuff of like Hey, you, you love Bat- the Batman animated series. You love the Spider-Man animated series. You love the X-Men live-action series. Here's the here's the live-action version of that. Basically, that, at least as yeah. a kid, that's what I thought. I was like, "Holy, holy cow! This is a um, this is a live-action version of the super of all the superhero stuff I love." So, yeah, I, I think that I, I'm right there with you. So it was it was very cool. Obviously, it doesn't hold up as as well. Um, no, but but <laughs> it does uh, not. but it's just still just like so much nostalgia. Like, there's so much nostalgia with. The, especially the first yeah. the first I would say first three seasons. There's there's so much nostalgia for the for the show. Um,
1: yeah. And it's still I, really fun. It may be yeah. goofy, but it's still fun to watch, you know. Yeah. And I
0: actually for me, like while well I, I my first memory of the Power Rangers is actually it would be the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But I, mm-hmm. I actually is not my introduction to the show because um I don't oh, know about okay. you I don't know about you, but I my parents used to take me to swap meets all the time and mm-hmm. I would and that's where I would get get my toys they'd like for back then in the day. and I used to get these uh the Super Sentai toys which I didn't realize that they were the Super Sentai I was just like oh these are cool action figures or whatever and convinced my parents because it was like it was like two bucks and this was before Power Rangers were were um I think debuted and and I know this just because I recently like had to go to my parents place and get the mm-hmm. stuff out of my storage and i found these toys i was like where did this come from am and, and then i actually found a super sentai like dvd because i think like grandparents bought it thinking that it was going to be like something like spider-man batman because they know i love that stuff and i was like yeah but this isn't japanese why did would they ever buy this for me and that, <laughs> i just like you know parents sometimes they don't even know under like what are my kids into so I, and they and they, they just go through swap meets a lot and i think that was my first introduction and i didn't realize that and i was like
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and obviously, like as a kid, I didn't realize these were going to be Power Rangers or anything. But it's just very interesting that I had, I still have those toys. I put it put it in storage somewhere. But I was yeah. just like, wow, <laughs> I, I can't believe that that I had these toys before even they debuted here out here. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is actually very interesting. But obviously, my first memory is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers first season. Um, yeah. And and yeah, I think there's there was just nothing cooler than just seeing the, like them and them fighting all the the kooky monsters that they had on on their on the show um <laughs> and it kind of introduces you as a kid it, it really does introduce you to like the villain of the week style thing that we see in so many shows mm-hmm. especially like anything that like buffy i zombie and supernatural and all that stuff It kind of it's an introduction into like getting into those shows when you're older yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um it, so and since we're just talking about it what is your favorite what would be your favorite season of power rangers
1: uh, my favorite season. Um, my favorite season would probably still be. You mean Mighty Morphin or in general. or just the,
0: just in general the Power Rangers.
1: Um, I would probably say the, the season with Lord 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 Zed. Wow, Lord Dread. Um, was really <laughs> cool. I really liked him. The stuff with the, when Tommy became the White Ranger, I really liked a lot. Um, but I, I guess I'd still have to say the first season. Now I'm one of those people, and we've talked about this before. Like when I get like attached to a particular iteration of a group, I do not like it when they change it. <laughs> <laughs> so I I watched all of the original Mighty Morphin, even though like it was Jason, Amy, and uh, Trini left. I was yeah. very upset when they left. I was like, no, these people are not the Red Ranger. I can't, this is not my Red Ranger. But I watched it anyway. <laughs> because Tommy Oliver was still there and he's the coolest at least I yep. think so. and um, but yeah the stuff with uh, Lord Dead he was probably my favorite of, of like the villains that showed up because mm-hmm. um, well, I can't remember what episode it was they had that fight where he fought the White Ranger and I was like on the edge of my seat and it's actually still a really cool fight now If I mean it's you know if you take into account that it was made in the 90s but um, yeah so I would i'll say i'll say season one but season three is very close
0: oh, oh, oh yeah well oh, i think what lord's that got introduced in second season wasn't it yeah so i, I think so yeah because then the season three yeah, yeah, was yeah. when they did the ninja stuff um and then yeah. they introduced uh rita's brother and stuff like that yeah Um,
1: <laughs> uh, rito i think rito, yeah, yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that <laughs> yeah 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 so
0: um so yeah i think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, for me as much as I love the original and I I've I've, well, I've, mm-hmm. I've gone back since I think it, it was on Netflix and I think it's coming off Netflix if it's already not off Netflix mm-hmm. um, recently um but I did I do I still enjoyed it I think it like watching Power Rangers was such a Nostalgic comfort for me. Um, Like even, I'm watching it now. I'm like, this is so silly. I can't believe that (laughs) how silly (laughs) all this stuff is. And then you see all the, uh, all the how they cut, like use uh, the stock footage of the Japanese and how bad it is, (laughs) Uh (laughs) of how 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 they implemented it. But um, but it's still (laughs) so fun. But for me, I think, for me, I think my favorite season of Power Rangers, and it's really the last season that I watched um, Mm -hmm. like religiously, was the In Space season.
1: Um, oh yeah just because I I, I
0: I i that's around the time when i was getting into comic books as well and i did read crisis on infinite earth around that time so it was mm-hmm. so cool seeing kind of in space really was that cri- like build up to crisis on infinite Earth* and with yeah. the countdown and everything and kind of the closure <laughs> of the zordon saga for the power rangers and it was so, I, I thought it was really cool how they did like how, how they did introduce the new characters and i think mm-hmm. they because i did watch turbo and turbo was not i, I just n- not, not, never liked it um
1: yeah. for
0: various reasons but i think they did such a good job turning those turbo characters like the Tur- turbo rangers end up in space to and make them more more compelling yeah. um I, I haven't watched the season in, in a while but i just remember how much i love that and um I just like how it's a culmination of everything in the backstory with Astronomer. I think mm-hmm. I, I, Lord, I agree that Lord Zed is such a cool, like, was probably the most badass. And, like, especially in the second season before he marries Rita, he's such a terrifying villain. Um, but I think Astronom is right up there in terms of the most complex villains because of her backstory. Um, so I think that that's definitely the season that I, I most enjoy. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Did you watch In Space? Um, or did you fall off with like turbo? I
1: mean, I did kind of fall off after, um, because I watched after Mighty Morphin, I watched, uh, what was next, like Zeo or something. Zio, was yeah. next. And then did it go to turbo? Was yeah, it was, kind
0: of, it was Zeo, then turbo, and then the in, space. in
1: space. Yeah, I was, I did, I did not like turbo. I thought Zeo was okay. Um, and I'm trying to remember in space. Yeah. I remember what was that one where it was kind of in space, but they had like superpowers, like legit superpowers. Was it SPD or? Uh, oh, yeah.
0: I think that was a more recent one was SPD because I just got oh, off on the con- more to comic books is where they each have kind of, they're all kind of mutant powers. Um, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I, um, yeah. I think I, wa- I, think I watched in space. I can't remember if I liked it or not. Um, yeah. There's only a couple that I really remember after Turbo that I remember that I like it or did I not like it. Yeah. Um like I, I did not like uh light speed at all. No. That was pretty bad. Um I think that
0: was, was probably like in terms of what I remember watching. I think light speed was the last thing in terms of like yeah. my power ranger history of what I like I think where I officially stopped watching Power Rangers.
1: Yeah, um, that was ugh. And and for all you listeners out there, if you saw it
0: and then kept going, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think it's the same thing of like, because I think by then it was like a yearly thing and they changed it out yeah. too. So I, I'm sure that some people stuck out with a few more seasons as they grew out of watching Power Rangers. I think we all kind of grew out of watching Power Rangers after a while. So, yeah. So, so, um, so yeah. And I, I think that's one of the cool things about the Power Rangers because it's still going on now that everybody has their own own Power Rangers really like yeah. we have my, our Mighty Morphins and in space and then others have like light, maybe Lightspeed and or SPD and stuff like that yeah
1: uh, that Megaforce are, or Megaforce, yeah. something or whatever
0: <laughs> and, and, and it, it's cool just because everybody has their has their touchdown to the Power Rangers I think that's kind of what it's cool that this series does connect us with hey, you know what? We all have our own Power Rangers. It's cool that you love yeah. one over the other. They're all the same cheese level. Some of them are a little bit more serious than others, but yeah. Um, but it's all kind of, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very fun seeing like even online just like and talking to my friend's kids and stuff like that because I have friends that their kids are of age of watching Power Rangers and they do watch it mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, oh, that's cool that you're watching it. And I think I was babysitting one of my friend's kids recently um, to help them out and I put on Power Rangers and I was surprised to see that there was like a, it, was, it wasn't the episode with, with him, but like there was a commercial uh, promoting that Jason was going to be in the most recent season. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, they're bringing back Jason. I was like, well, I am totally out of out of the loop in terms of what the Power Rangers are right now. I was like, they're bringing back the old Power Rangers now. Okay. That's cool. Yep. <laughs> um, so I think that happened this most recent season. I, I, I'm not sure if it already happened or not, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's super cool that it's still going on. And then like, there's new power rangers fans at all at all times Mm -hmm. but but yeah i think we're covering for this episode we're covering that mighty mighty morphin saga and like just the modernization of this franchise with the boom Mm -hmm. studios comics so with this um for first uh 16 16 issues which is Uh, of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from Boon Studios is actually uh, written like I mentioned before it is written by Kyle Higgins and the artwork for the most part for the main story is handled by Henry uh, Presetia hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong but we had a couple fill in the artists for like uh, the fifth and sixth issue they did a couple filler stories in between that were drawn by Tony Silas and then Jonathan Lamb um, but it, mostly it is one continuous story throughout the 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 14 issue, 14 uh, out of the 16 issues of, mm-hmm. of really the um the, it's the story post um the Green Land Green Ranger saga of uh after the Tommy joins the team. Um and really like the, the first couple issues especially kind of focus in on Tommy being the new guy on the group and kind of how he feels like an outsider and um and him trying to just get used to being on on the team. Um and so so that that kind of deals with that and then also rita which we don't really see in the show but in 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 the comic book we see how rita tries to lure tommy back to to her side and kind of playing with him still being an outsider in the group and that leads to the introduction of uh being called the black dragon um so this mysterious uh, character is actually from the future um and he comes to mess things up for, for the power rangers he ends up uh Kidnapping Billy at one point, and then he also um, t- uses the uh, Billy's Blue Ranger power coin to take away the main fives um, powers. Um, so they have to end up using Tommy's Green Green Ranger powers because it's not it's kind of the Green Ranger powers are not completely connected to the main main Five's power. So mm-hmm. they figure out a way to channel uh, Tommy's dragon, dragon powers into the others. Which leads into a big battle with the Black Dragon, Um, and as soon as that conflict is over, as everybody is like, "Oh, okay, it's over," things happen. A huge explosion happens that sends Tommy and Billy to the future, which what they thought is the future or another world, um, but it ends up being an alternate universe version of the Earth that they um, that they're from, that is going to be known as the world of the Coinless, which is an alternate universe version of. The power, what we know from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, um, and it's the world where what would happen if Tommy Oliver was did not join the Power Rangers, and he actually stayed on Rita's side after they defeated him in their first in, in the last battle that they had before he joined the team. So it's kind of t- telling you an alternate take on on um on the part of the original events of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers saga, um uh, first season, and so that really is like kind of what this these fourteen issues are about, and so. Um so before we get into just kind of Lord Draken, which who is the alternate universe version of Tommy Oliver, what do you think of uh the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic book in general? Um and, and what it did in terms of modernizing the, the franchise?
1: Um I actually think I think it's pretty fantastic. Um I I was a little skeptical going in because obviously you know, 2015, we were still in, well, we're still in it now, but it was the, you know, we're, we're in the age of, um, bringing back old stuff. And it's the nostalgia age, I guess I'll call it. And so I was like, all right, well, we'll see how, um, we'll see how they do it. I hope they don't lean too much into like the cheese or any of the stuff that, that doesn't age very well, or it's not some cheap nostalgia play or whatever. And I hadn't read a lot of Kyle Higgins' stuff. I know you had read his, uh, his Nightwing and, um, but I had no exposure to him as a writer, really. So I was like, "All right, well, all right, I'll give it a shot." This Power Rangers, the original team that I love, and I was I was very impressed. Um, I like the way that they did modernize it, um, but I mean, they don't they don't like throw it in your face, like, "All right, it's the new and improved Power Rangers." It's just like, okay, yeah, it's just it's just happening now. Um, I also really liked the way that that they focus, they focus in more on the characters. It's not as much about the action like Power Rangers was like they really delve into the character development and spend a lot of time with like the group dynamic and, um, fleshing everybody out. But, um, yeah, I really, I, I really like it a lot. I mean, the action is still cool when it comes, but I like that it's more about, it's more about the characters. It's about Tommy and his journey and everybody trying to figure out what they're going to do. Like, do we trust him? Do we not trust him? um and stuff like that and yeah I was I've i been I'm very impressed with it I was honestly it was better than I could have ever expected
0: <laughs> yeah for sure that, I, I feel the same way I think I really didn't know what to expect because I know we've had some good adaptions of like in, especially in comic book form of, mm-hmm. of things that we love from the 80s 90s like the Transformers and G.I. Joe yeah. comics all have been really good but and um but I feel like a lot of the times where we see these adaptions, especially with comic books uh, from like cartoons or, or other live action series, like it's really like 50, 50, if it's going to be good or not, or if it's just like, you get to kind (laughs) of tell it's a cash grab. So I really didn't know what to think of this. And I honestly didn't read the, um, when it first came out, I read it like Mm -hmm. around, I think right around when Lord Draken, when I heard that there was like this Lord Dragon character that was being introduced. And I just saw that, uh, the image of what his design is, I was like, mm-hmm. "What is this?" and and I ju- immediately jumped in, bought all the back issues of of the series, and and yeah, it's really interesting seeing how. Um, they delve into more, like you mentioned, of the personal lives of these characters, and just like you see that mm-hmm. we spend a lot more time with them unmorphed or without their helmets in this. And and we we did get that in the original show, but in this this time around, we're actually getting to know them more person on a personal level and their relationships. Yeah. And I did I especially liked how um, how Kyle Higgins used one of the T, uh, things that they had to do on the TV show of Tommy not uh, being absent a lot of like him mm-hmm. because he gets he doesn't get he gets his communicator lost or he's uh he's busy right. with like a teacher in a class <laughs> or something like that and which is part of like because in, in the original Super Sentai show the Green Ranger wasn't actually a big part of the show he only appeared like in the last moments and so that's kind of why. They had to figure out in the show why Tommy w- wouldn't be able to show up until like the very end, like when the battle would like needed like that sixth ranger. So, and right. I, I like that they, that Kyle, <laughs> I, I did like that. Kyle Higgins kind of played with that concept of mm-hmm. Tommy actually does is be very isolated at the beginning because he is the new the new guy, and not only is he the new guy, but he's coming just off being brainwashed from Rita and really how and and Higgins really I can explores. that kind of how he feels ostracized because of that but not just from the team and how what they think of him but like himself too because he's not as confident as we see him in the show um right like even though he has all the skills and the power he's still like trying to prove himself like we see that with the opening shot of like him in the training with uh kimberly of like Mm -hmm. in the kind of um in, in that train simulation that they do of like the yeah. no-win scenario that Zordon puts him in, but he still feels like he has to prove himself and he she wants to show that he wants to win. And you're like, mm-hmm. you never got that in the show. You never got that like kind of attitude from Tommy or any of the characters. And, and right. that's kind of the big thing I, I would give this uh, comic book is that it gives them attitude, but not like, oh, like, like, let's make them edgy. Let's just make these characters more real, like more down to earth. Right. And more, like let's explore them as teenagers that are still confused learning. And I think that's really cool that they did.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, um, and the art is just beautiful. I think um, I really I love the way everybody's designed. I mean, it, yeah, it looks. Yeah, it's, it's the Power Rangers, but I like like you can see the detail, like the like the 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 dinosaur um, marks on the helmets. So you can see them a lot a lot better. Um, I also liked just the way the monsters look. Um, Rita Repulsa looks really cool. Um, and I like that they, they didn't try like the movie did to really like, all right, well, we're going to change it because I have to modernize and I like that. It's still very like, it's still the original Power Rangers. They look like the Power Rangers. Yeah. They, they didn't change any of that. They didn't feel the need to update anything. Um, it, just, it feels kind of uh I don't know. It's it's modern without changing what made it so cool in the first place.
0: Yeah, it's kind of. I think I would say more the Marvelization of those Power Rangers, almost yes. <laughs> kind of where it's like let's focus on the characters more. It's more about the mm-hmm. characters without the masks on, and let's make sure that people recognize recognize each of their designs, and that mm-hmm. it, it, at the end of the day, it is about these people because like we we see them like like we see like you mentioned we see them a lot of. There's a lot of action in this. There's like Megazord fights. There's action yeah. with power, like the, all the Power Rangers fighting together as a team and like as individuals as well so you get kind of get familiar with their skill but at the end of the day it is about about the characters themselves and mm. that includes re, that includes like even Zordon and Alpha 5 like they get further fleshed out like Zordon in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers co- comic is not kind of not the same mentor that we like benevolent mentor that we see in the show um yeah. he is more Tactic, i would say almost tactical in the way that he mentors everybody like with the putting them in like putting them into the simulation training and stuff like that which i found like very interesting that they they uh Kyle higgins went with that route of like let's ex- yeah. like let's see how, what he would do if he actually had to train young kids mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's because it's something they um they kind of get into later with the um it was like it was like an issue as a flashback about the old the other power rangers team that he had like in the 60s or whatnot yeah and how um, it's like, yeah, well, he decided, you know, that just putting people together was a bad idea. So he was going to train children to be his soldiers. And it kind of makes you think like, that's a little, it's kind of sketchy there, yeah. Zordon. Yeah. But, you know, it, it it ultimately, like you understand his position, but it, it doesn't, you don't just look at him and think like, oh, he's the, you know, he, oh, he's the ultimate good guy. You know, he has uh, some shade to him. I
0: guess yeah and i think in these 16 issues you kind of see that of like yeah yeah we do see a lot of a lot of instances of zordon beings or the zordon we know but then there's a lot mm-hmm. of things where you're like i think zordon in, in the con in this con kind of more n- knows more than ever which gets into like later what future issues that you kind of mentioned before that he knows that he's he's here as their mentor and he's and because they are so young they're teenagers they're still very moldable they're still figuring out who they are and it's kind of his job to help them get them as confident as possible in their abilities right and because they are literally fighting one of the most evil people in the universe and so Mm -hmm. like that's not something that anybody could take on which we see later on with like the um power rangers he got before them but um but there's like a kind of you like you see that he's not as benevolent as the show, but there's a like a like I think Higgins gives him a good reason for why he acts the way he does, and I think it, yeah. Alpha Five for when we do see Alpha Five in this in this comic book, <laughs> it, like you kind of see how Alpha Five kind of balances him out more, as yeah. like kind of gr- like even grounding Zord out like hey let's put in and Alpha Five is kind of here for like a more, add a little bit of silly comedy into into the comic book as well, kind of <laughs> like he did in the show, yeah, Um, but yeah, it, it's very interesting because. um what what did you think of the focus on tommy oliver in terms of in, in this comic? because i know that that's one of maybe the complaints of the show like i think the show and, and maybe even this comic book is that tommy got a majority of the focus and he it's still his story rather than it being a story of everybody what do you think of that
1: um i mean i when it was a show i never really had a problem with it because i thought he was the most compelling character i mean mm-hmm. he was the he was the bad guy, then he was the good guy. Then he like it was kind of him working his way to becoming like the ultimate. You know, he was the White Rangers so he's the most powerful. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really great. Um, as far as the comic goes, I think I think they do something that some I don't want to say every team title, but some team titles don't do these days. Which is like they make sure that everybody has something to do or like to yeah. say that's important, so you remember oh yeah, Zach said this, or Billy did that. Um, and like, I mean, there's some issues um, that are completely devoted to just one of the other team members. Like, I think Zach has issue five is all about him. Yeah. Um, Billy gets one that I thought was actually really um, impactful, just about like how he has his, his suit on all all the time, even underneath his clothes, because he's always afraid that something's going to happen. Um and I really like that they gave them a lot of that, um, a lot of that extra detail. Um, I mean, yes, it is, it is kind of, it's the Green Ranger saga, is is what it's called. But I like that they don't neglect everybody else the way that the show did. Um, they're still fully formed characters, and they all have their own, you know, um, insecurities, their strengths, their weaknesses, um, their own little interpersonal connections with each other, which I think is also very important in a team title. Um, and I think, I think Kyle Higgins, he just bounced it all really well, where, yes, it's technically about Tommy, but there's, there's so much more to it than that, that, um, that makes it even better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that really is like Kyle Higgins' strength that, I, why he's one of my favorite comic book writers, just because he knows, understands how to like, just ground the characters in general, like we've talked about before of just, hey, let's deal with these, these, these are people, let's, mm-hmm. even though there's like this grand, scale event that with like anytime Rita attacks there, these are people at the end, like all these, all these like, especially they're teenagers. So, um, and so you can kind of see how they, like all the responsibilities of dealing with Draken and, um. um and the, and the black dragon like the black dragon conflict i think is very interesting to see how he yeah. they, like higgins used um him and scorpina as the first villains that they fight in in this mm-hmm. new modernization because the black dragon is such a terrifying they, he makes him to be such a terrifying villain in, in this first story of like it kind of really sets the tone of what the rest of at least higgins run especially will be about and what the boom studios our rangers franchise is about it's not necessarily just darkening the characters but making it so it's yeah. much more personal conflict because it like right. they get into of <laughs> like how it is more of, of these characters and how they deal with such universe ending situ- situations almost um but you like you never really got the show like the show was like more monster of the week and stuff like that mm-hmm. um whereas with this comic book you're you are dealing with this black dragon who re- literally takes away all their powers he, he like and he almost <laughs> kills billy, like he almost kills billy in the process too so it's yeah. like so it's like we're like whoa that this is not like what the show was and it, it, it's so cool cuz of the way he, like Higgins writes It's in such a it's such a good way of like yeah of uh it, it all feels natural part of this world um even though it's not a, not the silly nostalgia that we we get from the original show.
2: Mhm
0: um and and the other thing i liked is that he made rita rita actually want a terrifying villain like he actually makes her as terrifying as when we get introduced to lord Zedd it's like very interesting to see her being much more not silly wicked but wicked just yeah. wicked like she is very wicked like in terms of the way she is portrayed in terms of how she talks to everybody and talks down to to like all her minions it's not mm-hmm. like are not. It's not up for laughs. It's not anything. It's like you're like she's serious and she's going to use her powers to, to kick your ass. Uh, and that's what her what's what, <laughs> yeah. what her, what's her entire mission. Even when like she's inter- like when even though you don't know she's interacting with him when she's in, when she has that inter- interaction with Lord Draken, mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, she's she is pissed. And like, what is she gonna mm-hmm. do when when she now that she knows that she got manipulated by somebody else?
1: Yep. That's so, right.
0: so what did you think of Rita's, like Rita, especially in this comic
1: book and like the other,
0: and her like minions, like Goldar and everybody?
1: Um, Goldar, I still like that he's kind of like, he's kind of like the butt of the, kind of the joke of this uh-huh. series where he's still, I mean, even as big and imposing as he is, he still gets, he still gets, um, he still gets defeated all the time by these, by these teenagers, so they still have, you know, they still have that kind of humorous element. But I really like the way that they, um, uh, they did Rita in this because they establish pretty much that like she is still, um, she's still super powerful. The Power Rangers could not defeat her if they took her on like head-on. There's no way that they could do it. Um, I like that she's also, um, even though sometimes when she talks to the Power Rangers, there's a little bit of hamminess, like there was in the show. But I like that that when it's on with just her and like Finster and and Goldar that you see a lot more of like the cunning and and calculating um, version of her, um, especially when she's in Tommy's head trying to manipulate him. I think that's where she's the most frightening because um, it's so let's say it's so obvious that she still has such a strong hold on him, and she knows that. And to see her exploited is very very interesting it's probably the most dangerous thing that could happen because you don't know is this like a? um, can she like possess him like a um, Sephiroth and Cloud situation can she like like blind him and make him do something that he doesn't know that he's doing like you don't really know what she's capable of or what she's gonna do and I think that's what makes her um, makes her more interesting is that she's more unpredictable I guess you don't know what she's planning Um, but i also really liked finster as well i like the way that they made him they made it seem like he was he was not loyal to her like he had his own agenda like stuff that maybe he had going on in his head but we just never saw it because like he would talk to her and he would um you know be like oh the yes empress yes empress but you had this sense that he was just saying it like out of deference like okay yeah she's going on i'm gonna have to do it so she can leave me alone and I was like what are you doing over there Finster I don't I don't trust you <laughs>
0: yeah and um well it's not like a complete one-to-one comparison I, I like yeah. the way Finster acts kind of reminds me of the mad scientist version of Lex Luthor almost in terms of yeah. how he creates like in terms of how he creates like all the monsters and what he, like his thinking process is and mm. how he, like you mentioned he talks to Rita Is like he, you do feel like he knows that okay he, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the upper hand he does need to take command but like if you you kind of get the feeling that he is playing something he is playing to break almost break off on his own whenever he gets a chance, but he's waiting for that chance. And it's, it's very interesting because like Finster was not that at all in the show. Like he was the minion of minions in this, like he, he just followed instructions (laughs) and did it to a T and never, never strayed from that. So it's very interesting to get this much more. I think he is probably outside of Lord Draken the more dark like darker character, just because you don't know, um, and, and I think it comes from an unexpected place because you didn't, I didn't expect uh, Finster to get some, uh, this type of attention. That's right. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think that really gets into just kind of, and I think that really makes up the first um, half of this story is that Rita, Rita with the Black Dragon and Finster and then just learning more, a little bit more about the Power Rangers. But what I, I found very interesting once they got into the, like when we'll get into this in a little bit, but I wanted to get your thoughts on when, mm-hmm. when they do the whole coinless universe and they transport Tommy and um, Billy into that, um, one thing I was not expecting was them to actually announce that Billy and Tommy were like a search party. That was like one of the things I was like, well, they're getting mm-hmm. into like what the parents feel about, mm-hmm. like what would happen if the parents thought of, uh, yeah. and that their Sorry. their kids disappeared. Because you <laughs> you you'd sometimes will forget that these are kids at the end of the day. These are teenagers. They have parents. So you seeing Tommy and Tommy's mom and then Billy's parents worried about them I was like mm-hmm. wow th- that makes it so much more real <laughs> like you're like it does like further grounded and like I think Higgins did such a good job of adding that type little element so that you kind of see get that sense of urgency for why the other Rangers need to find find Billy and Tommy mm-hmm. like and get them back from the world of I think that was another awesome decision by uh Higgins
1: yeah I agree because that was just it's something you never thought about it's like because the parents were such in the background in the original show. And, you know, to the point where you forget that they're even there. It's like watching, um, I don't know, just watching some show where it's just about the kids in high school. You forget that they have parents and they have a life at home and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, th- I thought that was really fascinating because it, it suddenly, like, grounds kind of the conflict where you're like, oh, it's not just about these kids fighting monsters is about, you know, these parents have stakes too. They're like, oh my, it makes you remember, like, realistically, like, oh my God, like, this is not, like, yeah, this does feel, it does feel more real.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think, like, adding that kind of Aunt May element to it is just um, mm-hmm. giving giving more, a, a kind of a reset to your mind because you, the Power Rangers, especially in this comic, but they're making such a decision that you're like, oh, these are adults. Like, you kind of almost forget that they're teenagers at one point. Because of yeah. like all the seriousness that they're doing. And this helps like <laughs> re- kind of reset it, like and remind you, hey, these are teenagers at the end of the day. They're mm-hmm. even though they're having to make these life-altering decisions that um, adults would need to make, they are teenagers still. And I think that I think that was a very important scene to set up like
2: mm-hmm. how
0: how uh, like I mentioned before, the sense of urgency that there needs to be for the rescue mission to get Billy and Tommy back from the world of coinless, which kind of sets up the uh, world of the coinless the whole coinless universe being such a dangerous place because it is like as soon as you see billy and tommy there you're like it does not feel right and having that that type of stuff happening before and then you've seen billy and tommy there you feel even more like damn they need to get back they need to get saved they need to figure out how to get back to their world Mm because things are not right like you you immediately and like higgins higgins and and uh uh Presentia does do such a great job of setting that tone right away when when they show up in this uh, new world. Mm-hmm. Um and but what what do you think of uh, in terms of the backstory that they give the world with the coinless like how what would happen if Tommy Tommy did join Rita? What did you think of the how how Higgins developed that that part of the story?
1: Um I thought they did that really well. It was it was pretty well at first, you know. Before you know that it's um, that it's Tommy. Like there's like all these little like clues in the environment because Tommy and Billy arrive and they see like this these statues and stuff of Rita and um, who I get I suppose is dead in this universe. Like, yes, I don't remember. Yeah, because they did they uh um, they She confirm
0: that? yes, she she uh. I mean, you, they confirm it later on in a uh, future mm-hmm. issue. Um, that I think, like, r- around the build for for Shatter Grid, or I think during Shatter Grid, that um, mm-hmm. this version of Tommy eventually, after the fall of the, what they call the fall, fall of the uh, Power Rangers, mm-hmm. um, like, right after that, then he gets the, he merges the two power, the Green Ranger and the White Ranger powers, like, yeah. it further corrupts him, and then he just, like, as Rita's making her grand speech of, like, her ultimate victory over the Power Rangers and Zordon and all this, like, yeah. Uh, and, like Draken is he? He's full on Draken. He just stabs Rita uh, through the chest and kills her, and that's why he has like he, that's, that's why he's right. in control. So
1: yeah, um, but I really like that. Uh, I mean the stuff with um, like what happened to the others, like him collecting all the other power coins and um, the creation of uh, of I don't know if it if it's Saba or Saba the talking Saba. sword. yeah, Saba, yeah, Saba and that kind of stuff i thought that was really interesting because the stuff that we recognize because it's stuff from the show but i like the way they did it in a new context where it's stuff that had to happen earlier because like oh crap like she's she's all powerful tommy's all powerful like we have to do something now and i love just the fact that you know he and um where jason is going to be the white ranger or that's what zordon wanted and it's it did not go down that way um He's like had that big shot of all the army of Rita's r- people and then all the other like Power Rangers groups and their allies and it seems so epic but man it was it did not go well
0: yeah <laughs> no I, and, well at all. and I think that's very interesting because it kind of feeds more into just um the uniqueness of the especially the Six Ranger and how the Six Ranger kind mm-hmm. of does turned the tide of stuff I think that yeah. that's another Another element that Higgins kind of plays with, and what would happen, like just giving us a what if scenario of like if Tommy did yeah. join Rita, it was very cool because I always loved those what-if comics from Marvel, um, mm-hmm. and and I think that like going all in on that and showing us, hey, this is a, this is what would happen if Tommy was joined Rita, like she like he like yeah. even though he, like after he was brainwashed and everything he because it kind of does go into like even the earlier what established earlier and when Rita was going into the prime prime universe's Tommy into his mind of playing with his insecurity of being the outsider in the group and all that stuff mm-hmm. and we see that what would actually happen if Tommy gave into those urges of like hey I, I'm the outsider I'm not one of these guys they're they're never going to see me as one of them and and you kind of get into I think did you read the annual a little bit uh the um, Power Rangers Annual. I'm pretty
1: sure that I did. What happened okay. in that
0: one again? Uh, well, I it has a couple different stories. One of the, the, I think, the first story yeah. is where the the last temptation of Tommy Oliver of this of Lord Dragon basically of how Lord Dragon becomes. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and, yeah. And so I mean, it's that. like
2: yeah,
0: and like right after he right after they destroyed the sort of uh the sort of darkness, uh, Tommy mm-hmm. ends up teleporting away because he's like he's so frazzled and like. Just went through their brainwashing, so that he lost yeah. away rather than staying with the team. Mm-hmm. And so, because he goes solo for like in that moment, he chooses to do that instead of staying with them. He ends up traveling the world, and the Power Rangers are looking for him, trying to get him, get him to like, hey, we want to be your friend, we want to try and help you out. But because Tommy yeah. still kind of messed up from being brainwashed and the and, and Rita's influence, that Rita ends up finding him first and mm-hmm. talks to her talks to him about hey i knew this guy that used to be under my command i was Draken. you are very similar to him i i think we could do a lot of great things and kind of it's that temptation and like because he does he doesn't have the others to be his friends like the mm. our our universe is tommy that yeah. um that he just gives into that just because he does have that it's going into fully on his loner side of things and and which i think is very interesting that that's kind of the spark of like hey The the thing that was different between Lord Draken and regular Tommy is, Tommy decided to stay and be Mm. interact with the others and go back to the command center, whereas Lord Draken, he decided to teleport away because he was so messed up after the experience with Rita. And so it's like it's very, I think that they do such a good job of like getting into that and how that, like Lord Draken is very an insecure character. Like he, Mm -hmm. does write him as like. He's kind of almost um I would say he's compensating. Like he's compensating for being such a loner and having yeah. so many insecurities with his with his own personal life that it feeds into his power hungry nature. Like and mm-hmm. once he and just as as he gets more power, that's more the more corrupt he
1: is. Yeah, because when he has um because there's ultimately a, a fight that he has when he and um and Tommy and our Tommy fight each other. And even though he is, you know, he's all powerful and he's, um, and he's a very in, intimidating villain. Like the way he talks to Tommy and talks down to him. You just, if you read between the lines of what he's saying, like you see, there's a there's some jealousy there of like, you know, he didn't have any friends, yeah, but Tommy does, and he's trying to compensate for. Oh, you have to have your friends. I did this all on my own. Blah blah blah. And it's yeah. like, nah, dude, you were just like you're you're still trying to impress somebody, and it's like he has all this power and it's still not enough he still feels like he has to to be like the biggest badass ever and it's like it's kind of sad really because you know there are you know there's people like that in real life who spend their entire lives trying to live up to this ideal and it just yeah it's like no dude you're fine how you are like there's no you don't have to do this
0: yeah. And I think that that's very interesting. Just um, like you mentioned that um, it's very much a story about uh, character overcompensating, really. Like, yeah, <laughs> of, uh, what would happen if you don't have these positive influences in your life? You don't have these mm-hmm. people that you could count and call friends. You could call, hey, I need help. Like, help me out. And that's not what Lord Dragon had. He didn't have that. And because he didn't have that, Rita, like Rita in the, in the world of the coinless had the, was able to manipulate that to the point that he just, she just went into creating him as a power hungry character, and he, mm. and so he compensated by from not being alone and feeling like a loner at the entire time for by just his power hungry nature now. Like he is completely power yeah. hungry. He is not gonna st- like he, even though we kind of we don't we learned that he actually didn't kill Jason because like one of the more recent comics uh, we find that out. Mm-hmm. Um, spoilers, yeah. but um it's interesting that like you, you, they even set that tone that he possibly killed jason in this world mm-hmm. like he, he killed jason and billy like at least that's what everybody thinks is that he killed jason and yeah. billy you don't really know about kimberly at this point really yet from mm-hmm. the coinless universe um and what she becomes which is later down the line with shattered Grid, you do learn what what happens to her um yeah. but it's very interesting to, um which yeah which is a story on itself which we'll probably get into in a future podcast but um mm-hmm. But yeah it's very interesting to see how brutal this character is and just like mm-hmm. and and so you do feel like you said he's a terrifying villain like he you do feel like dang they there's a reason why zach the this versions of zach and trini and aisha and also bulk and skull have to do what they do They're, they have to be like this underground resistance um yep. and putting them in such a desperate spot and just I think they do such a good job, also like having the environment tell the story too of like how you I think you mentioned it before of having the destroyed Zords, like all yeah. around different battlegrounds. They're <laughs> like, wow, that that that's such a cool way of adding history to this world without telling, like being in your face. This is what happened, which we do get later on. But it like at least as you're learning about the world of Coinless, along with Billy and Tom, uh, Tommy of our universe of the regular universe, that it, it's very cool that there's those context clues of like, hey, there's destroyed Zords that. You should not be seeing these at this point. You shouldn't be seeing the Falcons or you shouldn't be seeing
2: right. the <laughs> Zords at
0: this point because they were still in the the dinosaur version of their, their power. So it's like very interesting that Higgins plays with future versions of the characters.
1: Yeah, and um, and I also think it's about about Draken again. Like, there's some points like when Tommy interacting with the the other members, like you see how he could still have gone that way because you know Jason and, and Zach don't trust him. And the, the other, I mean, uh, Kim and, um, yeah, Kimberly and Trini are probably the ones who try the hardest to connect with him, but it's kind of like, a, Tommy's not really trying, but the others aren't really giving him a chance, so you still see that disconnect, and part of the story is how they managed to overcome that.
0: Yeah, I think, I think m- is, yeah. Pairing, pairing Tommy, uh, the, reg- uh, the Prime Universe Tommy with Billy was actually a really interesting choice, because... Um, Like, on top of, like, in the Coinless universe, Billy being one that's confirmed dead. Mm -hmm. um, Like, you have this interaction between Billy and Tommy, and because, like, with Billy, like, he is much more empathetic, and, like, he's a Mm -hmm. character, like, with that that 10th issue, he has much more... in touch with the surrounding then in touch with how the other rangers feel and he does like with his intelligence and everything he is the guy that's always planning ahead thinking of it thinking of it, how to help the others like he's because he's i would say the most support character out of all the power rangers yeah um whereas all, i would i feel like everybody else is kind of more of a lead whereas he's i always feel like billy's always been more like a supporting character
2: mm-hmm. um
0: and in, in out of the original six um and it's very interesting seeing kind of higgins playing with that a little bit more and just showing how Billy as a support character is able to like empathize with Tom, like Tommy's own struggle. And like seeing Lord Draken actually makes him like Billy and Tommy really tight with one another, like of like it brings them together a little bit because like he, it, Billy does end up seeing more than the others of like, what would happen if they did ostracize Tommy or like they didn't put, bring him into group like they, like they should have or, or at least in the show. Um. So I, I thought that was interesting. And then like like we um in terms of just so I, I also like just that because they separated Tommy and Billy from the others, that we saw how like Trini stepped up. Like Trini stepped up as yeah. Billy, playing into Billy role and like Higgins really playing up that Trini is actually really as um, as smart as Billy and that she could figure things out at she might not figure things out as quickly in terms of the technical level of things, mm-hmm. but she is a very quick learner, which I think the show kind of um, talked to like kind of briefly touched on here and there because she was always working with billy in terms of the new ranger tech but here we see that much more where she's the one that really uh, without billy around she's the one that figures out how to use the black dragon armor that yep that's left over <laughs> and all that and so while like jason and zach are working out their, their their own things while like practice fighting and then jason being the leader that he is with how he talks down, like talks with kimberly too so that she calms down Trini's like on the side, she's figuring stuff out. She's like, how, how do we get Tommy and Billy, Tommy and Billy back? She's, and so she's working on the Black Dragon. I thought Trini was the yeah. other standout character for me in, in this entire story.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Because she was one of those ones in the original where I think she was another one of those like Billy where she was just kind of, she was there for sure. And you recognized her when she was in costume, but I can't really remember a lot about her as a character and i think they definitely gave her more um i don't want to say like more texture as a character they gave her more more sides more things like they talk about how you know she she wants to be a a doctor or a nurse or something like that and um eventually um you know but having her be with billy and encouraging him but also being with tommy when they develop their relationship i think it's uh I think it's really neat what they did with her um, because they actually gave her, like, I remember these things about her and it makes me, it, it endears you to her, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it puts it, it puts more everybody on equal footing because I do think the show kind of focused more on, on, like, I think specifically on Jason, Tommy, and Kimberly were, like, I think the three mm-hmm. that m- were most focused on in the original show. Yeah. Um, and I think this this um, series just does a, such a good job of giving everybody, oh, like, a role, everybody deaf and i think trini was like the character that outside of tommy and billy's adventure because they were Mm -hmm. like you experienced the world the coinless through them um trini was the other character that just stood out to me the most because like she Mm -hmm. she felt like the most fleshed out character in terms of just her development um throughout this because and you're like wow she is such a badass character Mm -hmm. um and and I, re, I really like that they they gave that spotlight to her because we didn't really get that in the show. She was always more like, what is everyone else's story? Let me be a supporting character in that as well. So that, that, I, at least that's how it always felt. Um, I may be remembering wrong, but that's kind of always like how I saw Trini as more supporting as well. Yeah. Um, and, and then also like even like with Billy and Trini and like uh, Tom getting a big focus, I think they all, Higgins also did a good job uh, remind, always reminding you that Jason is the leader and kind Mm -hmm. of and just showing how he is able to be a support for everybody like he knows that zach like he has a scene with zach where he and zach are training but they're like he gives a reason that zach needed to get 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 it out of his system of like he feels so frustrated that he Mm -hmm. needs to do something so that's where jason and it was like hey let's spar, let's spar a little bit let's get a little bit of your aggression out so that way you stay focused on the fight that we're having coming up and then right after that you see him talk to kimberly who kimberly's very worried he he understands that Kimberly's word. He knows that he's like mm-hmm. very, he sees that and he's like, let me talk to you. Let me figure out what's going on. And I know that you like Tommy, so I'm sure that you're very worried about him. And just like mm-hmm. he is, he knows how to talk to each of each other character, like each of the members on his team. And that's, I think that's yeah. what such a cool thing of like setting up how he is the ultimate Power Rangers leader and why he's like mm-hmm. maybe the best and kind of setting up Shattered Grid, what his role in Shattered Grid is going to be. Um, yeah. eventually which i won't spoil too much but it's very interesting <laughs> to see how um how like throughout every single issue you kind of get a reminder of like jason as as the leader of the team and why he is such a cool character because he is the ultimate leader he's he's not yeah and and how he's able to connect with each each character on his team in, in a different way
1: mm-hmm. yeah and it's and because it, it does build it up because even though he has that connection with the others at first he still has that I don't know if it's just a distrust of um of Tommy but there's also the fact that he may be feel threatened by him because in the show at least he almost lost when he fought Tommy one on one and he managed to pull it out of the end so you see a little bit of that lingering like I guess kind of like an alpha male thing where there's another one and he's and Jason feels a little standoffish around him but the way they eventually overcome that is very um very interesting because when they have that big like um, like that big argument before the black dragon shows up. Um, Tommy points out, "It's like, oh yeah, some some leader you are. You know, yeah, we're all arguing and fighting. I don't feel very welcome, and you keep saying I'm part of this team and blah blah blah." And you kind of look at it like, well, yeah, he's he's kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I really like. It shows a lot of you know that all these characters have a measure of growth and like for Jason's part, I thought that was really cool that like, even though he's set in this position, when you start as the leader, that he still has a lot to learn. He's not like a Captain America who has everything, you know, locked down, he knows what he's doing and whatnot, um, especially, you know, especially with Tommy. I think Tommy kind of makes all the characters grow in their own way, which I find really interesting.
0: Yeah, and and I think it, um... I think the other thing that I think I really liked about this is that he d- he didn't beat us over the head with it a lot, but he starts yeah. teasing a lot of the elements in terms of what we would know about the multiverse and in- for the Power Rangers, like mm-hmm. we get the elements of like there's the Master morphers where Zordon meets the coinless version of Zordon when uh, yeah. when uh, <laughs> the dragon d- destroys his dragon destroys his uh, containment tube. Mm-hmm. You see our the re- the Prime Universe Zordon meeting that Zordon and they're, what their meeting is and like. And that opening it up, hey, there, there is a multiverse. There's an alternate universe, and it's kind of teasing that stuff. And then it you also get a teaser of Saba of like Saba being yeah. much more sen- sentient and having maybe a closer connection to Zordon than we initially thought. Than outside of just Zordon being his creator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also get like the tease of the the mas- master morphers as well, which we, yeah. we I don't remember ever talking about more of the power grade outside of the Power and just having the power powers from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought it was very interesting how Higgins was able to, like, pepper in a lot of different elements in terms of what we would know of, like, especially the Boom Studios Power Rangers that would be Mm -hmm. explored in the future in terms of all the powers and all that stuff. And, like, even the White Ranger, I thought it was very interesting how, like, the show kind of teased it when... I remember Tommy was first introduced that he was the, ult- like the White Ranger power was like the ultimate symbol of good, but they never really got into like, oh, the White Ranger is more powerful than all the others. Yeah. But in this one, they really start establishing, and I think the Go-Go Power Rangers also um comic mm. that comes out in the future, kind of talks about how each Ranger power is a little bit different, where while they all have a base set of powers that are very similar, each color represents kind of something different in terms of like, I think the Black Ranger is has more ha, has has greater strength. The Yellow Ranger is a little bit more faster. The Red Ranger is kind of an overall character, right? And and stuff like that. <laughs> and with the White Ranger and the White Light, he's like supposed to be the pure purest representation of good. And yeah. so it was very interesting <laughs> to see them kind of like Higgins start playing with that as soon as they introduced a flashback of like the uh, coinless universe version of to- of Jason almost getting the White Ranger powers. And so it was very interesting to see that type of stuff develop too.
1: Definitely. Um, it was nice that they finally did, um, <laughs> that they did really point that out where I think one of the things about the Power Rangers is that, you know, like, yeah, they always talk about how they have like all these powers and stuff and you're just kind of like, well, just watching the show. And, and for most of this, you do kind of wonder like, okay, you can you can manifest your costume and these weapons and, you know, they have like super strength and whatnot, but like what really separates them yeah. apart from just, you know, their colors. And I really, I really like that they went into that finally, because it is one of those, um, it makes them more unique in a way. It's not yeah. just, well, anybody can put on the costume and has, you know, and have these baseline set of powers that they all have. Yeah. It's more, it's t- kind of tied more to their personalities and their, um,
0: whatever, well, um, whatever the way color they, do they have. things
1: right yeah
0: yeah because i know that there's like a future issue in go power rangers where all the like the core five switch mm-hmm. switch colors and then they they like <laughs> there's like a thing where jason and uh trini end up switching the red and yellow powers mm-hmm. and and jason <laughs> uses the yellow power rangers and she's like oh crap I'm, I'm way faster than i thought so he's like he has to adjust his fighting style because he, he's way yep. too fast for himself whereas like <laughs> and where Kim, where uh i think trini has she's like oh i have to balance my i also have to adjust my Fighting, uh, fighting techniques because I'm more of a balance and I didn't realize how how different the Red Ranger. So it's very interesting seeing no. how, <laughs> how, how the, like mm-hmm. I think Higgins starts introducing that, but he doesn't go into that and he's like, hey, these are elements that I could use in the future or future comic books could use it. And so I'd I, I like that he is start like he used this like first 16 issues really to set a foundation for what things that he's going to explore and other writers are going to explore in the future. Mm-hmm so um and then i i think that really does cover the first 16 issues um for the most part but i wanted to get mm-hmm. also your thoughts on what you thought of the the two backup stories that we got in this with the one the first half the first i think eight issues we were book and skull and then the next were on yeah. squat
1: and babu what what do you think of them and like the turn <laughs> that they had um i think they were a nice little um a little di- little distraction um it wasn't uh well what, what's what am I thinking of I mean because it's not it's not like essential it's not really tied to the main storyline but I really liked that you know they had something that was kind of goofy and and light. I mean the bulk and skull stuff I thought was always um so it was kind of entertaining um it felt more like the stuff from like the original show than anything else where it's kind of goofy um it doesn't take itself too seriously kind of dumb in some parts but it's in a, in a way that it's fun and just like you know you kind of you kind of smile while you're reading it um the squad and baboo stuff was kind of interesting because they did i think they did a little bit of multiverse hopping or something like that where they thought they were in um another another world or something like that um but it was kind of the same um i wasn't really familiar with those characters or at least i don't I think I remember them very much from the original. So it was just another, yeah, it was just kind of a, a, a distraction. It was more content. Um, didn't take or add really to the main thing. It was just kind of, it, it was fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, like, what Squad and Babu, more, or more so than Book and Skull, were just, the ultimate background characters they had like a couple lines every episode but that's it that's pretty much all their contribution was to an an episode was like one or two lines but yeah i just thought i thought especially with how serious and dark things got in the main story Mm. having these like backup stories that were more on the fun side and more on the tone like you mentioned of the of the original series i thought i was like this is a good shift this is a good palate cleanser after everything that you go through in the main story it's like I'm glad that they added it. And It kind of gives a spotlight yeah. to these characters that, like Bulk and Skull, because of how things get things get in the main story. you're like, there's no time to deal with Bulk and Skull's shenanigans, and so. Right. But they are still important character. <laughs> they're still important characters to the franchise because, like, mm-hmm. I think Bulk and Skull are as memorable as the power, the core six rangers.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: they're such a key key focus on on the show, and you see that as the seasons go on, how much they <laughs> how much attention they get on their side story. Yeah. So it's it's actually really nice that like Higgins. and just boom studios that recognizes their popularity and just kind of gives them their own adventure that stays in the tone we don't need to do a serious adventure. These guys are silly. Let's just play into how silly these
1: guys are. And even if it's not like somebody's cup of tea, they're not long. So it's not like you can still read it and just be like, Oh, okay. Even if you don't, you're not a fan of that style, it's not going to hurt you or anything like that. Um, But if you're a power Rangers fan, I think you'd appreciate the, the tone shift back to the, kind of the, the
0: goofy 90s cheesiness yeah yeah and just going going off like kind of all, all this discussion The ne- the thing that i wanted to uh talk about a little bit before we close the show is what mm-hmm. would it, what kind of series would you like to see get a boom studios power rangers type comic book outside and that's not because i know we've gotten gi joe we've gotten transformers yeah. and now we've got power rangers that have are those like cartoons that have gotten uh like really good comic books and what, what's a franchise from your childhood or anything that you would like to see get get this kind of treatment?
1: Hmm. That is a good question, because now the first thing I always think of would be Teenage Ninja Turtles, but they have one of those yeah. for IDW that's also very good. Yeah. Um, i I could give you a little bit
0: more i could give you a little bit more time to think i'll give you one that just came to my mind because i saw the Mm -hmm. trailer for it on disney plus for one of the new shows or whatever is the Mm. mighty ducks but the mighty ducks cartoon from the that we had with the actual ducks from the the duck planet that come to earth
2: yeah
0: (laughs) like i always love that i love that show even though it was one season i would love because they never (laughs) finished it i was like Hey Disney, yeah. why don't you give like someone at Marvel or, like give Donny kate's uh, Mighty the du- like Mike, yeah. Mighty Ducks oh, comic my and, and just go all in on the, not only the ridiculousness but just go in on all that like because I, I thought that was like one of the, one of the <laughs> like most fun cartoons that Disney did and one of my favorites and I was like I always wanted the end of that story so I was like there's so much potential in exploring that and the characters because they're. They have some so many unique characters there that I was yeah. Like, oh, why not? Why not go there? That, that's my first thought when I <laughs> uh, cartoons that I watched as a kid that I want want to comic book. Stuff, yeah, especially since we back. never really got an end for that. So,
1: I think well, this cartoon was technically made before my time, but it, when I was growing up on Cartoon Network, it was always one of the uh, the cartoons that was on in the morning because Transformers was on. Um. Like, I think it was, like, at 7.30. And then the cartoon that played before was Captain Planet. Oh, yeah. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes.
1: And I would be very interested to see them do something like this set in the modern day. Um, Especially with everything that's, you know, going on with, like, climate change and stuff like that. I think it might be, you know, it might be needed for that, you know, because they could... I'm not dropping the silliness of it because I think what Higgins does is he still kind of leans into it. Yeah. Like they still shout like, you know, it's Morphin Time and stuff like that. Uh, they could still do that kind of stuff with the a Captain Planet series. But I think it would oh, be interesting that, great... to do a, um, to you know, delve into like, you know, introduce uh, kids. I mean, it might be more effective and reach more people as a cartoon because more people would probably yeah. um, watch it. But I'd love to see a something like that. Um, i think it'd be very cool yeah that, get, that, you know.
0: that, that, that's actually a really good one I didn't, I didn't think about that yeah that would be that'd be awesome especially with with everything that's going on right now we know like with texas and yeah. stuff like that of like hey that that actually would be a perfect kind of fit in modernizing it and kind yeah. of using elements from now because a lot of the stuff that w- we have going on is stuff that they actually tackled in that sh- in the cartoon even though we, we mm-hmm. never really saw it outside of the awesome action and cool characters um so, yeah that's actually a really good one that's a good pick um all right man but thank you very much for joining me on this episode steven i really appreciate it um if uh, more people wanted to follow your work or you on social where, where can we find you
1: um you can find me on twitter at uh at president glover um anything i anything i put on there i have a letterbox, but i don't use it very often um follow me and whenever i watch a movie i'll post a review or something you can follow me from there
0: (laughs) nicely yeah you're yeah i saw it wasn't there a site that you were using to post reviews uh before
1: um yeah i think it was through it was through letterbox like i would do the um i would screenshot it but i'll put i'll put the links on there with my my pictures
0: (laughs) awesome yeah well um yeah you could and for for myself you could follow me on at twitter on instagram at kevin 007 i got to do a better job of posting but i've been trying to be more active on twitter so oh. you could follow me there um and i i also you can follow me on tiktok at nerdy kev um and then for the, the backlog journey podcast you could find us on all podcast services so we should be on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. and if there's any um podcast services that we're not on just let me know and i'm I'll make sure I work on that and get us on, on those podcast services. And then you could always make sure rate and review us on five stars. And you could also find more of my work at conflictrevolution.com where I've posted a mm-hmm. bunch of bunch of reviews right now and features on like DC Future State especially and then King in Black and other events, fun events going on. So I have a lot of stuff that I'm planning on posting there. So you could always find my work there. Um, but, but yeah, again, thank you very much, Steven, for joining me on this podcast and um, we'll see everybody uh, next time.